on that trophy. Second season running, that she's done so in the colours of Manchester City. Oh, lovely footwork there from Weah! A special goal in a special game from Caroline Weah. That is world class. That is outstanding. A worldie from Weah. Hello and welcome to this episode of MCW Fancast. I'm Emma, thanks for listening. Last game of the season in the WSL and it's mission accomplished for Manchester City women who will be playing in Europe next season in the Champions League. City were able to secure their position in the top three following their 4-0 win away to Kelly Chambers Reading at the Select Car Stadium. On this week's podcast we're joined by Dave and Paul as we reflect on both Birmingham and Reading. And look ahead to Sunday, the FA Cup final against current, well, newly, let's say, newly crowned champions, Chelsea, on the biggest stage at Wembley Stadium. But first, let's hear from our number one, Karen Bardsley, who was speaking earlier in the week following her retirement from football and the continued tributes to a true legend of the game. Obviously, um, you know, being at City for eight and a half, nine years has been an enormous part of my career and you know I've, I've had the great fortune of being here from the start and you know having the opportunity to work with some amazing coaches and incredible players and you know be a part of this methodology that was so, so different to anything I had experienced previously you know but if we go back even further um, you know signing my first professional contract with Sky Blue was was an amazing opportunity and you know something I never really thought would come to fruition um, I remember joking with some of my friends in high school when I was 15 or 16 years old, you know, like, wouldn't it be cool if one of us went to the Olympics, you know, and if we did, like, it's the only time I would ever get a tattoo and, you know, ended up going to the Olympics and my friends were like, oh, you better, you better live up to that promise. So um, little things like that, you just kind of never think really happen. And if you go even further back to that little five-year-old girl that was walking to the grocery store one day and just wanted to kick a ball around you know, I got to sign up on the way out and my dad was convinced that girls didn't play football. So, um, yeah, like just those little moments always stick out. Um, the big saves always stick out, you know, um, 2019 is one that's always going to stay in my mind, uh, uh, against Japan. Um, the save against Norway in 2015, uh, at the very end of the first half was a, a real crucial moment for me, you know, but there's a lot of really great moments just watching the game, the game grow, you know, watching, the, the game, at least in this country, go from, you know, maybe a hundred or a few hundred people in the stands to some of the incredible crowds that we've had at Derby, um, you know, in Champions League, those sorts of things. And then, you know, walking down the street and seeing loads of girls and football kits, seeing it on TV, in commercials, you know, and seeing that perception change. Like that's been something I feel really proud of. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to uh, get my surgeon to touch on some of the, <laughs> the actual details for you. But yeah, essentially in um, 2019, in the quarterfinals against uh, Norway, um, ended up tearing my hamstring tendon um, off the bone. And basically it needed to be repaired. Um, And unfortunately the repair and the rehab kind of fell like right in the midst of the, (laughs) you know, the pandemic, that thing. and it just never seemed to be right. So we tried our best and I just never seemed to fully recover. Um, went on a brief stint uh, on loan to OL Rain, and, you know, kind of found a new love for the game again out there. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, the tendon went again and um, it just, it just never kind of was the same again after that. So after a few more uh, surgeries and, uh, just, just got to the point basically where I wasn't going to be happy with my level and I wasn't going to be happy with not, <laughs> not living up to my expectations. So, um, it also, you know, the, the bigger picture played a role as well. Like let's, let's have it right. I'm not getting any younger. Um, and the risk started to outweigh the reward, um, which, which is obviously something that I think we all need to take into consideration uh, towards the end of our careers. But yeah, ultimately like that was what made the decision. Um, it, it was just never the same again. Yeah, unfortunately it's been quite a big part of my career. Um, I seem to get injured at the worst times, but ultimately 
it's part of my story. It's part of who I am. And, you know, as much as it wasn't great and I didn't enjoy it, it, you know, helped shape who I am today. So in some way, um, you know, there has to be, I wouldn't say a reason that these things happen, but there has to be a way that it's allowed me to take some perspective and understand kind of like the things that are really important to me. But yeah, it's, 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 it's certainly, you know, taken its toll on me uh, psychologically as well at some point, but I've been really lucky to have the support, um, you know, in my corner and I've been able to reframe it into some really positive, you know, opportunities going forward. You know, it hasn't, it's, I still not really sunk in, to be honest. Um, I don't think it's going to sink in until like the very end of the year, at the very end of the contract, you know, and, um, you know, obviously the game at Wembley is going to be pretty much like the last big event, but I'm still going to be going into the club for my physio. So, you know, until that all kind of comes to a close, um, it's just going to feel like a super long off season, I think, <laughs> but yeah, it was, I think the most emotional moment for me, to be honest, was when I made the announcement to the girls and the coaching staff in the, um, auditorium at the uh, training ground you know to have to walk in there and you know basically stand up in front of everyone and say you know hey guys I'm retiring I'm never going to play football again like that that hit me like I got really choked up because you kind of say it over and over in your head you think of what you're going to say and how it's going to feel and you think oh it'll it'll be fine it'll be fine but yeah, um, I'm not really sure what to expect when we get to Wembley. But ultimately for me, um, I feel really grateful for all of the amazing words and messages and photos. And they're really fun to look back on. And, you know, I feel really honored and special to be a part of so many great memories for people and to have been fortunate enough to grace the pitch with such talent you know not not much not mine but everyone else's <laughs> um you know and, and to see the likes of Steph and Lucy and Jill and you know Tony Duggan and you know those girls that I played with but then now you've got Chloe and Lauren Hemp and you know like Leah Williamson coming through and there's just some amazing talent in the future and I'm just so looking forward to seeing what's in store um for English football. So yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. I think the day after the FA cup, I mean, hopefully I remember everything, but um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be really strange. I think um, that, that, that drive home the next day is just going to be really weird. Yeah. in in a, in a really strange way, um, the, the longevity of the injury has probably allowed me to find, um, you know, other interests and, in, and, in, try to make those contributions in different ways. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be approached by the Manchester FA um, to uh, be the INED on their board for women and girls football. And it just felt right. You know, um, sometimes it's, you know, people's hearts are in the right places, but they don't have the uh, insight or the experience to kind of actually follow through with the right actions. So being able to help advise on the board um, feels really important. And, to be able to uh, amplify the messages uh, feels like something that's really important. Um, but then also just like learn a bit more about what it actually takes to make these things happen, you know, so the governance elements, like all the, all the stuff that's not terribly exciting and fun, but ultimately necessary. Um, so yeah, that's been like a really great learning opportunity for me. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to be nominated as a chair for the legacy project and um, that's been a really interesting uh, experience for me and it's made me take a look at things and understand like what I would want to do differently and maybe how I can help and those types of things. So again, all really um, ultimately advisory roles, but uh, it's really opened my eyes to kind of what the next steps could look like and ultimately what making a difference on a bigger scale um, feels like. Just the general respect for the game and the players um that's probably something i'd like to see change a bit more you know in terms of you know making sure that you know if there's a big opportunity for a game or a tournament that it should be in terms of parity 
as I as I mentioned to you before, it, it should be on the same same level. Um, there's no reason in my eyes that uh, you know a men's tournament would be any different to a women's or vice versa. The thing that I I, I kind of want to challenge is just for people to start rethinking how they're going about doing things in terms of the way we the way we speak about women's football or the language that we use or are we challenging people in the general public um, to start really examining what they're actually saying and bringing a bit more awareness to the decisions that they're making you know because from my experience not just in England or you know all over the world um, people in powerful positions don't always have the best understanding or insight into you know what a high performance environment actually looks like or feels like and ultimately I think what I'd like to see change is a bigger emphasis on supporting the person as a whole not just the position or the number um, that in professional sports and any sort of high performing environment um, the person is treated and valued as a human being and a um, you know they're supported in a way that that reflects that you know it's not not just a commodity um, because that's really unhealthy um, so those are just a few things that I really like to see change but you know in the immediate future um, continuing to challenge the perception of equality you know obviously particularly in sport but you know across across the the greater po uh, population as well you know like making sure that all young girls have the exact same opportunities as young boys like I just don't see why that's a problem. <laughs> so it might be unpopular, but I think it's the right thing. Hi, I'm Lauren Hemp, and you're listening to MCW Fancast. Dave, Paul, thank you so much for joining me. How are you both doing? Are you well? Yeah, good. Yeah, still a bit twitchy about the uh, men's title race going going down to the wire, but um, good week for the women and uh, you know good you know good overall season I think. So you know feeling very uh, chipper and looking forward to uh, Wembley at the weekend. Hi, am I? Yeah, over the moon. We've uh, achieved what we set out to do. You know, when we said we had to seven games to go, six games to go, five, and we finally done it. Won every game, got that third place, got Champions League, and now now it's Wembley. So yeah, big week. The last time we spoke, obviously, we were heading into that Birmingham game that obviously finished 6-0, the weekend final game of the season. We travelled down to Reading, uh, finished 4-0. Uh, we'll, we'll look at the games, both games. Um, we'll start with Birmingham. Dave, what did you make of the game itself and the result? I mean, obviously, a great home win. It was eventually, yeah. I think Birmingham obviously needed to get something, otherwise they'd be relegated on the night. So they came with a very specific game plan, which involved a back five. Um, I think their plan was obviously try and keep it to nil-nil till late on and then try and snatch something, obviously, to, you know, to give them a chance of getting the three points. So it was it was a stubborn Birmingham side, which is to be expected. They, they didn't come out at all first half and City. I wouldn't say City struggled a little bit, but, you know, it, it just needed to speed it up a bit and and and, and break that, that back five, get that back five turning. And, and, you know, facing their own goal a bit more, which they certainly did in the second half. And once you had the feeling, once the first goal went in, that we would get a, a bucket low because their game plan went a little bit out of the window. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. And then City really did tear into them. Yeah, almost when the first game come, you knew that Birmingham would have to essentially kind of open up in terms of trying to hit us on the counter. And we kind of were able to to utilise that in our favour, if you like, because once the game opened up, we were able to sort of get those balls in and create some space for ourselves to get the goals, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the same as Dave in a lot of ways, but I think it's also symptomatic of the way the club, the club's teams play, that they grind teams down with possession. Um, and I think in the first half, that Birmingham just you know, were just hanging on against some quality players and a, and a side that's really confident and playing well at the moment. And and I just, I like you guys, I just felt once the first goal went in that, that they, would, they would struggle because they'd have to come out and have a goal. 
but they didn't have the ammunition to, to do that. They wouldn't, it was unlikely they were going to score more than two goals. And when the second goal, I think they just they just started to fall to pieces and they were just bringing subs on for the experience by the end of it. Um, I felt for them because I, I thought they gave it a good go in the first half. They, they really stuck to their plan. But it's not the sort of football that's very interesting to me. And, um, you know, you can see why they're probably going to go down because there's not a huge amount of quality in that team. Um, and once the game plan had, had failed, they just didn't quite know what to do. Um, so I'm, I'm sad to see them go because they're a founding member of the league. Uh, and I think they give it a good go, but they're just, just not quite good enough for the, this division. And, and we wish them well in, in the championship. And to every chance they may well come up because there are some decent players in that team and with a bit of investment, I think they, they could, do, could do well in the championship. And they probably need it because they're quite a young team as well. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of seen that with with almost Liverpool and, and Bristol in terms of, you know, they're, they're two sides now, obviously Liverpool Liverpool come back up to the WSL next season, having obviously won the championship. But, you know, the likes of Bristol that obviously last season struggled, you know, struggled for results similar to that of Birmingham, but have kind of enjoyed their time in the championship and really been able to compete. And, you know, I've spoke about how competitive that league is as well, that it almost gives them something to... To you know, to for fans, Birmingham fans in, in particular, to start enjoying their football again because they have had like probably since Mark Skinner's left, really misery upon misery, really. Yeah, they were. They, they were. They've always been a. I mean, Birmingham. We used to struggle with Birmingham quite a lot. You'd have a lot of dour games, and we certainly we lost a few as well because they were always a very competitive side. Like you say, under Mark Skinner, they were. Um, they got to the cup final. And other than the cup final itself, where we where we sort of, I think, I think the occasion got to them that day uh, at Wembley, they were always very close games with Birmingham. They were always a difficult side to beat and to play. I remember a couple of nil-nils and I remember them beating us 2-0 when Ellen White was up front for them. Um, so it is a shame to see them go because they've always been there, as Paul says. So, But it's taken Liverpool a couple of years to get it right. It is a competitive league, that, that championship. And, you know, when a team comes down and, and you're starting again and maybe you're putting a lot of young players in, it'd be interesting to see if they maybe go down the loan route and take a few players on loan with a bit of experience because, you know, you've got Durham who've been there a few years and, and usually challenged. You've got um, Bristol, as you say, who've got quite a lot of experience in terms of uh, being in the WSL and, and and now you've got Birmingham. So it is a competitive league and all the other teams are, are, are slowly improving as well. I think Crystal Palace are a team that are... Uh, improved over the season in that in that division as well. So it'd be interesting to see how they do. But I, w- I wish them well. I hope they do come back because, A, like you say, they're a founding member and it's always good to play them. And B, it's not that far for an away game. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I mean, when they used to play at Solihull Moors, that was, I used to enjoy going there. It's quite a traditional yeah. ground. Obviously, they're not playing there now. Um, obviously, St Andrews. But yeah, it was one of those games that I always really used to enjoy. So I hope... At some point, we can possibly meet them in in a, in a cup or something like that, maybe next season. But yeah, I am really, um, you know, we're, we're quite close as well to some of their supporters like Craig Haverly and, you know, um, Stacey and, and one thing and another. So yeah, I feel for them too, because they have really been through the mill a little bit for yeah, the last yeah. couple of seasons too. But hopefully they'll come back stronger and uh, just have that little bit of time in the championship to sort of rebuild and, and find themselves again. Well, they had a little swan song on Sunday because they beat Villa, didn't they? Yeah. At Villa Park. So that was a big win for them because obviously uh, bragging rights and what have you. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for them. Maybe there are some players there, that, you know, younger players that are coming through and uh, can gain the value of a valuable experience in that league, which will make them better players when they come up as well. So you've got to take the positive out of it. I think yeah. it's. I think if we talk about the standard in the WSL going up, the standard in the championships gone up, and it's worth remembering that when United came up, they didn't run away with that league that season. You know, it was it was they, they were comfortable in the end, but it, you know they didn't run away with it. Um, so I think it's it'd be good for Birmingham to spend maybe a season down there rebuilding, as you said, their squad. And then we can, you know, hopefully they'll come back because it, it can't be great as a fan to, to sort of know every week that you're going to be struggling and, and, and being on the back end of some quite big defeats. So good luck to them. Um, and we wish them and their, their support as well. And as you say, David, it is only um, an hour and a half away rather than having to nip over to uh, Arsenal mm-hmm. at eight o'clock on a Sunday evening, which um, is a bit of a nightmare. 
Yeah. Um, the second half, though, intensely busy. <laughs> um, obviously, Chloe Kelly came into the game very early on, uh, substituted for Rasso. Um, Kira Walsh assisted Stanway, which was great to see. Um, obviously, pushing up front and getting involved and, and being creative. And it was a, an absolutely great f- uh, finish from Stanway. But even better was the, the ball to um, Stanway to get the goal from Kira. Yeah, well, we've seen it time and time again. I'm sure when we talk about the Reading game as well, there was a ball in that for the first goal to Lauren from Kira that was just outstanding. Absolutely. And we, we see it week in, week out. We almost, you know, we, we think, oh, we're taking it for granted because she's such a good player. And um, we've spoke about Kira many, many times, what we think of her. Um, people maybe who don't watch her every week think we go over the top about her, but, you know, that's what Kira does. It was great to see Chloe and Lauren flying on Wednesday night in that second half. Down the, That's a little preview of what we couldn't look forward to next season, I think. Yeah. With both those players fit, both, you know, when we really need to go for it, we've got some... I mean, that's not even counting Haley into the equation as well, who's got a, you know, a lot of talent of her own. But if you think about Lauren and Chloe flying at defenders on both sides and crossing that goal that Chloe knocked in, um, that could be a, just a little preview of what we've got coming next season from those two. And I can't that's, wait. Yeah. The link-up play was fantastic, and also with uh, Philana Kennedy getting in on the goals as well, which is which is great to see. Well, she's she's been a revelation this season, hasn't she? You know, I mean, I think the first game she played, I think I think it was against Arsenal, she looked a bit shaky, but then you know, you know, she she was just coming into the team. But since then, she's looked she's she's looked like a, a really accomplished defender uh, for the rest of the season, and and that's something that we can you know, take some heart from, because I think when Steph got injured, I think we thought we might struggle there. Um, so we've got Alana and we've got Ruby Mace, who's the best young centre-half in the country, in my view, uh, the most promising young centre-half in, in England by a, by a mile. So we've got really good cover starting to develop at centre-half. And of, and of course, Alex Greenwood, who was the supporters club player of the year, rightly so, has been absolutely brilliant this season. I mean, she's been absolutely brilliant from start to finish. And it's great to see her in, in some of the, you know, WSL teams of the year. Now, I know those things are quite subjective and it's great that Alex is in there, but Kira Walsh didn't even make the bench of one of the teams of the year awards that one site did. And you just think that is utterly insane because she's without doubt, and I think her peers would say, the consummate player in that position, not just in this country, but in Europe. She's definitely world-class. That's why she plays for England. That's she's the first name on the sheet for England. So, you know, we've, we've, had a, we've had some great players this you know this season who have not only turned up when we've been playing well, I mean, we've won 21 out of 23 games, but when we were in the mire, when we had hardly any players left, you know, people like Alex particularly stood up and took, took a leadership role and dragged us through that awful period, you know, so... I was delighted when she was presented with the uh, official supporter club player of the year because, for, in my mind, she has been the best player for us all season by some distance. Yeah, and she's made the, the shortlist for, you know, City's own player of the season as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, she's obviously getting that recognition, not just from the RC, but, you know, from her peers as well. Yeah, that's good. She's in the um, WSL player of the year. She's in, as you say, City's club. Player of the year, and rightly so. She should be in every one of these uh, votes and polls, and she should be nominated for the lot because uh, she she has, in my opinion, been been our best player this season. You know, uh, it's not just been her, and, and Alana Kennedy is a good one, as you said, Emma, as well, because uh, she did come into a struggling team, and sometimes as a defender, there's a lot of pressure on you. You've got to remember. I think we had a, we bought Abby Del Kemper, and obviously that didn't work out, and she went back, and all of a sudden we've let Gemma Bonner go because Abby had come in, I think. And, you know, we were a little bit short then. So he's gone out and got Alana, who, you know, who's, who's got over 100 caps for a country and had played in the WSL at Tottenham. So that was helpful. And But then, as Paul said, she comes in, we get dumped 5-0 at Arsenal. If it wasn't our first game, it was certainly one of the first games, I'm not sure. And, you know, it's, it does sometimes takes players just a little bit, especially defenders, to, to know... To, to, to learn about the teammates and to learn. And you can see the progression Alana's made this season. And since Christmas, I think she's got better and better and better. And she's, you know, really, really fits in now. And he's probably one of the first names on Gareth's team sheet because she's so consistent and played so well. It's great to see because, like I say, it was almost, you know, the, the centre-half thing was, you know, I was beginning to think when when Abby went back, I was thinking, oh, I wish we hadn't got rid of Gemma Bonner because she was such a good player for City. Yeah. Gemma when she was here as well. But uh, he's addressed that situation with a, 
really, really good player who, who now everybody can appreciate alongside Alex, who let's not forget when we brought Alex in, we were all worried she was going to play and, and Demi was going because Alex was going to play at left back. Yeah. And it's turned out she's one of the best centre-halves in the league. So I think it's always again. one of those positions, the centre-back, you know, who we've had some really good pairings across, you know, have, across yeah. the seasons. And I, I don't think we've ever really had anyone that doesn't produce and consistent consistently, you know, um, when those sort of positions have come up, you know, if it's due to injury or if even if like, you know, we've seen Esme Morgan drop into to it or, you know, Ruby's gone into it, you know, everyone's sort of, whoever's gone into that position have really shown their worth. I mean, I remember when even in the beginning, of the, well, not at the beginning of the season, but, you know, when we've had to sort of ask upon Jill to go into that position, even mm. to an extent, even she kind of gave as good a performance as you And, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily expected it, given it's an alien position for her, but she gave, she gave everything to it. And she, you know, Alex obviously talked, basically was talking her through it at times. But, you know, this is what we've come to, you know what I mean? Like players stepping up and, and really kind of giving their all to the team and, yeah, we, we've rode some really hard times this season, but I think we have to look back on these moments as uh, a way of kind of building strength, building character, because we've shown that we can fight and 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 we've learned kind of lots of hard lessons that I think will stand us in good stead, especially when we kind of look into next season, maybe. It's adversity. It, makes, it wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what we expected. But it happened. And as we always said at the time, I kept saying, I said it on the podcast, it wasn't an excuse why we weren't doing well, but it was a reason. You know, people, I and mean, that's why I think Alex was one of our player of the year from the OSC because of that that period of time. She was outstanding. You just pointed out there, I remember the game where Jill played. By her own admission, Jill said she'd never played something half in her whole career. So probably never know, want to play it again. No, no, she wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, she got fed up after about 90 minutes, didn't she, in that game and went forward and, and set up a goal. So, and, and Alex talking her through that and seeing her through that and, and holding that defence together when it really was makeshift with, um, you know, Janine Becky playing at fullback at one point, Georgia Stanway playing at fullback, Jill playing at centre-half because of our injury crisis. That is, I think that's what's tipped the scales for Alex to, to win it as well as her own excellent performances and consistency over a full season, it's that period as well, that period where she she really did lead the team because obviously Steph, Steph wasn't there. Whether she's had the armband on or not, Alex, it doesn't matter. She's led the, that defence and controlled it. You've got to remember the way City play as well. We like to play out from the back. Uh, so it's a certain style of play uh, that, that sometimes takes players a little bit of time to get used to when they come into the club because it's not what they've been used to at other clubs maybe. Um, but it's all settled and it's all gelled and that a lot of that credit needs to go over to the manager and also to Alex Greenwood up for me because uh, she's been a shining star in that in that team and in that defense I think I think we we have to we have to give Gareth Taylor a huge amount of credit this season for two reasons because I think he's weathered a huge amount of pressure there's expectations at a club like city and I think if he, if he was managing in the men's game he might have got the boot but the club has stuck with him and, you know, trusted the process, as, as he always says. And he's, you, you can't imagine what sort of pressure he must have been under at the start of the season. You know, not just in terms of trying to get, you know, having a 16-year-old kid as a reserve keeper that, you know, was having to do in the GS, GCSEs and try to play for a professional you know, women's football team. You know, all of that. And then, you know, been the expectation when the team was sort of pretty much back to full strength bit and manage that team back to where he needed them to be and to, to sort of integrate those players back in and the new players. So I think we have to give a huge amount of credit to Gareth Taylor this season. He's been, a, you know, he's really stuck with it and stuck to his principles and the team have responded to that. And I think the fans have appreciated that. I think to our credit on this podcast, we've never called for his head. We have been critical rightly at times because sometimes it's not been exactly what we wanted, but, you know, I think we have to acknowledge that uh, he's done a fantastic job. And why he's not been nominated as one of the managers of the year, I just think is utterly bizarre, particularly when um, 
uh, Skinner at Spurs is one of the nominees, and their fellow wear so badly at this at the end of the season. Um, Gareth should have been one of the nominees because he's had to manage the unmanageable. And and you know Emma Hayes would have struggled with that injury list. Any of the other managers would have struggled, but he's come through it, and he's come through it with great credit, in my view. I mean, mm. it does come as a, a surprise. I think it's obviously something that we need to highlight because. Not only has he not been recognised for his efforts this season, but even when it comes to player managers of the month, he's been overlooked at times. And for me, it's quite unbelievable, really, given what he's done, especially heading into the new year, consistencies in results and performances, uh, momentum that we've built, and just for the lack of acknowledgement, Obviously, it's come from from us and and obviously the fans and obviously, um, but for for whatever reason, when it comes to let's say journal, journalists and other media outlets, it's it's he's kind of overlooked and still not recognised as a quality coach, and he has been coaching the team well, and he, he has been giving tactical performances as a manager, and he has been doing what's been necessary. He has been making changes as we've needed them, and making those calls in games should they need to be made and it's as if that's not even happening but that's what we're seeing that's what we've seen week in week out over the last let's say um five five or six months totally agree with you Emma because it is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous that he's not been nominated for it because I'm not saying he should win it because often you find whoever wins the league wins the manager of the year but the acknowledgement he should have been nominated yeah I've got nothing against uh, the other three that have been nominated. They're all good managers in their own right. Spurs probably have overachieved themselves this season to you know where they finished. You know, if you offered them at the start, I'm sure they would have took that and seen it as progression. Fair enough. But Gareth, as you just said, Emma, Gareth has proved himself for me this season as as a tactical coach and a man manager as well. If you think about United away in the cup when we were one 0 down at half time, he made a change in that game. He put Haley Rass on. It changed the game. It changed, he read the situation, it changed the game, we, we turned it round 4-1. Tactically, the Conte Cup final, he changed the game at half-time. And we came out and we absolutely took Chelsea to the cleaners in that second half. They were get lucky to get away with 3-1. By their own admission, you know, we were a better team. We didn't win that game because we were fluky. We won that game because we outplayed what has now been proved to be the best team in the, in the country this season. Chelsea, they won the league. Paul mentioned before, we've won, I think, is it, we've won 21 out of 23 games. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and the two we didn't win, Chelsea away, we lost 1-0 and we missed a glorious chance to, to make it one all with, with about three minutes to go. So we could have snatched a draw there. And the other one was Arsenal at home. So the best, you know, we drew one all when they scored in the 94th minute. So the only two games we haven't won against the top two sides and we were unlucky in both of them. The performances were still there, even in both those two games. So the run is phenomenal going back to, um, say, basically December. It's, it's title winning stuff. You know, if we hadn't had the start we'd had, we'd definitely have been in the mix for the title. I'm not saying we'd have won it, but we would have been in the mix for it. And I think, you know, if we can give a, a full run at it next season, with new, I mean, obviously there might be changes. We know some players might be going and there might be players that come in. We've got players who haven't, people people are crying out for them to play. Why hasn't Angledale played? Why hasn't, you know, so-and-so played? They will play. They will play next season. They, they, their time will come. But Gareth has proved that the teams that he's picked have done the job. And, you know, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And just look at the performances and where we are. Now, for him to finish this season with a Champions League qualification, one trophy in the cabinet and possibly two trophies, either way, you know, so however, however Sunday goes, that's an amazing achievement for him, considering where we were. And to not get nominated for manager of the year after that, I don't know what he had to do. There is a weird thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist by trade, and I think that the... The backstories of some of the managers seem to really attract, you know, the the WSL um, media pack. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of journalists who seem to be hopelessly in love with Chelsea and, uh, you know, just think they can do no wrong. And, and Chelsea are a, a fine side and a fine manager, but, it, you know, there's there's a lack of objectivity at times for me. Uh, you know, Gareth's backstory, you know, he's he played for his country. He played a, a, as a professional at a high level. He's been a respected coach at City for a long time. He's done all the badges. He's done everything he needed to do. And for me, the big difference between Gareth and previous managers is I always felt that we never had a plan B in the past. 
we now have a plan B. He tactically reads the game and makes the changes, as you say, Dave, when they need to be made. You know, he doesn't tinker too much, but when he does make a change, you can see why he's doing it. And what he's also done, I think, is really improve the, the way we play as a team now. We play really good football. You know, we play out from the back. So our centre-halves have to be ball players. You know, we don't just hike it from the goalkeeper to the middle of the park and hope for the best. We play from the back, we play through the midfield, and we try and get it out to the, to the wings and try and play it through the middle in a sensible, progressive way. That's due to the coach. And he stuck to those principles through thick and thin. And 21 out of 23 games, as you said, Dave, is, is, is title-winning form. Um, and we would be in the mix, would have been in the mix this season, and we will be in the mix next season. Because if you look who he signed, Blackstead, fantastic, one of the best young players in Europe. I can't wait to see what she can break, do and bring. Exactly. Ruby oh, Mace, every time she's played, she's looked to the man of ball, and she can play, you know, play with the ball at her feet. You know, our reserve keeper is 17, 18. She's England number one in her age group. She's a massive prospect. We're bringing in, and we're talking about two players potentially coming from Atletico, who are potentially in the mix. So we bought wisely, we bought well, and we we can look forward to next season. And ultimately, Gareth has done for me. And as you know, if you just said to me at the start of the season, you know, in November, we 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 top three, we'd have we'd want we'd have beat Chelsea in the Conti Cup final, and we'd go to Wembley for a day out to face Chelsea again. I think people would have probably called the doctors in and said, you know, you, you know, you, you're delusional here. But actually, it's a lot of credit to not just to Gareth, but to the team around him as well, who have, who have helped him through, but also to the character of the players. And ultimately, as well, the fans who have stuck with it, you know, and understood that things would, would get better. All in all, we have to look at it and say, well done, Gareth Taylor. I think there's a lot of potential for next season and we'll see him over full season and we'll get a pop, we'll be able to make a proper judgment on how good a coach he is at that point. Uh, let's move on to the Reading game then because obviously the last game of the season, um, you know, we discussed how, you know, how much of a must win it was. And again, it took us, it took us to half time, but Reading actually did really give us a game in the Majeski, Dave. They did. Well, Reading are another one of those teams that, on the day, they can give teams a game. They beat Chelsea this season. You know, we've had we've had a few tussles with Reading over the years. They've always been close. I thought we were professional. I thought we uh, controlled the game. Again, the first goal was critical because once we got the first goal, Reading had to come out a little bit and that helped us out. Uh, yet again, Kira Walsh, absolutely outstanding performance from from beginning till, till when he took her off, obviously. Controlled the game, set up the first goal, just patrolled that midfield. Reading couldn't get past her. What a football! I just love watching her every week. I know I say it every week, and but I just love watching watching her play football because it's just joy to watch because she makes it look so easy, and it isn't easy. It isn't easy to do what she does, but she makes it look so easy. The ball to Lauren Hemp for that first goal was just unreal, and um, yeah, it was good to see. I thought City played well. I thought Bunny played well. It was it was it was a good professional. Performance to get that we just need to make sure we won the game just in case, didn't we? And, and we did. So um, yeah, and, and then he started to rotate towards the end, thinking probably you know we were three 0 four 0 up, and thinking towards this Sunday, uh, keeping everyone fresh and ticking over. So yeah, it was, it was a great day out, and it was lovely, lovely weather, great turnout for the fans. Considering it's me. Yeah, well, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> it, it was a lovely, a lovely turnout from the fans. Considering yet again it clashed this time with a home game, you know, but. There's still a good turnout of City fans there to, to, to see them home on the last game. And, uh, you know, it, I had a great day. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, for me, obviously, when the, the first goal came, it, came, it I, I knew it was going to come. And but because everybody... And I don't like this last game of the season because everybody kicks off at the same time. And obviously, um, you know, for a lot of, obviously, it, the, the league itself to come down to the last day um, with, you know... The title decider, you know, obviously third place, you know, you, you've got an eye on sort of the Chelsea United game because, you know, 
people are like, you know, oh, well, Chelsea are going to win this game, but then you know, United have got their first goal, and you just like, you kind and you're like, I don't want to hear it. Sure, <laughs> just watching this game. It and, is hard on the last game. Hard. It? it is very hard, but I think it just again just shows how exciting the league has really become. I think you know, in terms of the the quality, the performances. And the, the teams within the league itself, I think um, it has been, you know, probably one of the most exciting seasons we've seen in recent times as well. Uh, but, you know, like you said, to get the job done and I think full time came and I almost felt the, the celebrations was a little bit muted. You know, we have just got third place. We have just qualified for Europe for next season. Uh, but it almost felt as if now there's still, a, you know, a job left less to do. We've got a, you know, focus now on on this FA Cup final, and they, it looks like they really want to go out and and get a result and get the the second piece of silverware. I suspect the players themselves are a bit muted because they were thinking with the form we're in, you know, we should have been in the title mix rather than fighting for third place. Uh, and I and and I, I share your um, view that you know Reading are a very good side quite capable of turning anyone over on the day and we did a really professional job you know we scored two goal two goals in the first half often we we struggle in the first half to get a goal we got a couple of goals you know bunny i thought played really well again she's turning into one of the you know one of the signings of the season for me for any club you know she's what she's really really top class striker uh, and I, you know, it, it was a potential banana skin that we, we we dealt with really professionally, you know. And, and don't forget, you know, United went one up, and they're quite capable on their day of beating anyone as well. They're, you know, they are now. There's now four really, really good sides in the WSL. That's us, Chelsea, Arsenal, and now United. They are the there's four now that can challenge for the title. And next season, we might see the likes of Spurs and West Ham join that club. So it becomes a much more exciting proposition not just for us as fans, but for the league in general. The trick now is to build on the boost we're going to get from the Euros to make sure that we can get the crowds in that reflect the quality of football we're seeing. So, you know, fair play to City. They could have quite easily made, uh, uh, you know, dropped points there, but they did a really poor job. And I think, as you, as you rightly say, they will probably had one eye on the FA Cup final as well. But job done, you know, when we're in Europe next season so we can get our passports out. Yeah, yep. I think it was clear to see what our object- objectives were, um, Dave. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've been saying how, you know, we need to win every game. We've done it, you know, and we've done it well. I think that is very pleasing, especially, you know, with now having the FA Cup final to look forward to. To round off, I think, what's been an exceptionally good season, especially when you look at the second half of it. You know, as you said, if you'd have said this time you know, five months ago that, like you said, Paul, we'd have essentially, you know, one trophy in the cabinet, third place finish with, you know, Champions League for next season and then, you know, an FA Cup to play for. Um, <laughs> just been saying you've been having a laugh, mate, but here <laughs> we are. And now I'm in this position. I just want us to go out and get the job done. I believe we can. Um, you know, when we spoke about the Conti Cup final, I was very optimistic but I believe that we could do it and I believe that we can do it again uh, on the bigger stage as well. I think the fact we needed to win every game in the league to get that third place game, you know, sometimes when a team gets to a cup final and then they sat in the middle of the table and they can't go up, they can't go down, you might see the form drop off a bit while the manager thinks, well, I don't want to risk her because I've got Wembley, I don't want to risk her. And you almost like might get... um, too much tinkering with the team because it doesn't matter in the league they're safe they're not going up they're not well City couldn't afford to do that City had to win every game so he had to go strong uh, there were certain games where he could take people off he did that on Sunday because the game was won it was 4-0 same against Birmingham but it it has meant that we've kept the form and we've kept the momentum going into this cup final now now we're going to play the best team in rightly the best team in the country they've won the league so they're the best. no one can argue with the league after you know played other games they've won it they've won it fair and square um, I think Arsenal might be kicking themselves because they didn't lose to Chelsea over two games and they still didn't win the league. So that's that's up to the Arsenal fans to discuss. But uh, from our point of view, as you say, Emma, on our day, we can beat any team. And I think we go into this 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 final almost on a free hit, really. We haven't really got anything to lose here because Chelsea were the favourites, as they were in the Conte Cup. Uh, but we know that we can beat any team on our day, including Chelsea. We have to play well, obviously. We've got pretty much full squad 
So, yeah, I'm confident and I'm really looking forward to the day itself as well. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fantastic. And it's, it's, it's like a reward. I think Paul mentioned on the last podcast that we're all on together that it's almost like a reward for us, for the supporters as well, for the season that we've had day at Wembley. We didn't think we were going to get this this season. Uh, it's, it's like a bonus. And to me, it's a free hit. We go there and we give it everything we've got, just like we did in that Conti Cup final. Uh, and if we if we've turned in the same sort of performance that we did that day, the same levels, we've got every chance. I just hope we kind of go into this again when you know the media are sort of setting up this game and and obviously putting it on its little pedestal that you know we're actually in the mix this time to win it <laughs> because <laughs> when they when we played the Conte Cup, it was almost as if Chelsea had won it before they even kicked the ball, you know, and the the mm-hmm. the kickoff um happened so yeah I, I kind of I kind of hope that we're given a little bit more let's say respect this time going into this I hope so because you know basically it's the two form teams going into this they've won their last 11 games and the last time they got beat was in the Conti Cup final by us we've won 21 out of 23 games we are the two form teams we're the two flair teams in the league and we're the two teams that come to play whatever you think of Chelsea they come to play they don't mess about they like us they go for it I mean that 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 free all at, at the at the academy a couple of seasons ago was one of the best games of football I've ever seen it was it was comedy you know the coaches you could see them hairs was like pulling their hair out because they were just throwing everything at it it was like you know attack versus attack for 90 minutes it was brilliant so I think that's what's going to happen at Wembley. We're going to have two really, really good teams, packed full of flair players, you know, packed full of strong defences, world-class keepers, massive crowd. And unlike some of the other finals that we've gone to, where we, we expected to, to win, we were, you know, we went to play at West Ham, we, we were the favourites. We're not the favourites, but we're up against our equals, our peers in this game. And I think if you ask Chelsea fans, they'd say the same. These are two top-class teams, probably the two best teams in the league when everyone's fit. And I think it's going to be a fantastic spectacle. And if we lose, it'll be a long journey home. It'll be a bit sad. But as you said, Dave, it's a free hit for us. We never expected it. It's a fantastic day out. And I think they're going to get over, you know, it's going to be a record crowd on the day. Two brilliant teams, two top-class coaches. I mean, what's not to like about that? You feel Emma, Emma Hayes will be looking for a little bit of redemption, though, following the the Conti Cup loss. Yeah, that's that's the that's the narrative that they'll take. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's just you know that's just the way it is. If we if they'd have beat us in the Conti Cup, you know, they they might use that narrative for Gareth and say, well, he hasn't got much chance because Chelsea already beat City. None of that matters. What's what's gone? They've stuffed us in the league. Our place, it doesn't matter. All that matters is Sunday. 90 minutes, we've proven that in the Conti Cup final as well. It's, it's Cup finals can be, you know, it's how your players react on the day. And as long as he, he drills our players to all do the jobs and all perform to the highest of their ability, I'm sure they will. You know, it's a, it's a you know, massive stage. Not often the FA get everything, get something right, but moving the Women's Cup final to Wembley a few years ago was a great, great thing. And it's, it's grown and grown and grown. And uh, record crowds, you know, upon record crowds each year, that's great. And it really is a showpiece event. And, you know, we all had to miss one when we played Everton and we weren't allowed to go, which was, you know, great that the team won, but, you know, also sad that none of us could be there for that one. So I almost like feel like we're an old this one and we didn't think we'd get it this season. So the, treat it as the bonus, treat it as a day out, um, go for it. I'm sure the, the team will give everything they've got. I'm sure they will because that's the way they've played basically all season. It almost feels like a game of rock, paper, scissors. You know, we've got three FA Cups, Chelsea have got three <laughs> FA Cups. You know, and I, I, do you know, I'm re- I am genuinely, you know, win or lose, just really looking forward to it. But I genuinely believe that we can do it. And like Paul said, uh, you know, you've alluded to, you know, potentially, you know, a record-breaking crowd as well for this one. I, I think there was about 45 maybe a few years ago and, and we're looking to have sold about 40,000 plus tickets. So, you know, come Sunday, uh, we could well be looking at, you know, if we could get around 50,000, that'd be uh, incredible. But again, this is a game where these two teams have, have met in a cup final at Wembley for the first time. And it's, it's like you said, it's, it kind of sells itself. It's, it's going to be a huge spectacle. 
Emma Hayes will definitely want to prove a point. Uh, if, if you watch the coverage uh, on the telly in the second half, she looked completely bemused and lost by Chelsea were being taken, you know, pretty much apart by City in the second half. It was a pretty even first half. She won't make that mistake again. Whatever, whatever that was, she's a really, really, really top-class manager. So she will be tactically on this and she'll be trying to get Sam Kerr into the game as, as much as, you, as humanly possible. And they've obviously got G as well, who's been a fantastic servant to them and to the WSL. Play, you know, she'll be in the squad for her final game. So they, they're motivated and they have a really, really strong side, but so are we. And you know, we've got a great manager. We've got great fans. They've got great fans, you know. They've got a really, really, you know, they sell out Kings Meadow. They're, they're you know, the really, really strong set of uh, supporters, home and away. You know, I've got a huge amount of respect for them as a club for investing so much in in the women's game. I've got a huge amount of respect for Emma Hayes and and all the players there because they do they play the game and they act, conduct themselves in the way that we do. We're very similar. Um, this is the two best teams in the country in front of a record crowd at the national stadium and they'll go at it. It might be a bit it might be one of those games, I might be wrong. It might it might be a two one or one nil. It could be a seven six. You know, it could be one of the most good. Just don't know because they will, you know, both teams, once they've once they've sort of done a bit of sparring at this, they'll go at it. And it'll just be a fantastic game of football to watch. And you know, we, we should be proud that we could be part of, part of a record-breaking crowd. You know, 50, I think there's every chance we'll get 50,000 on. And, you know, isn't it great for all of those players that have struggled through injuries, COVID, you know, some of them you know, will uh, have the vintage that were, they were doing part-time jobs before they were professional footballers. You know, um, they have got a day to stand in the National Stadium, National Anthem playing, massive crowd, if you'd have said to some of those players in the past, you will play a professional football, like Lucy Bronze and people like that, who were doing part-time jobs and then trying to be a professional footballer on top, that you will get that opportunity. They'd have thought you were mad. So Alana said something similar in the week, didn't she, where she said, oh, you know, I've never played at Wembley. And the girls were like, you're going to love it. You know, and you just like, <laughs> like, like those sort of opportunities, you know, especially for like our younger players as well. I mean, like I remember Stanway, Hempo, you know, we're all like looking forward to playing at Wembley. And, and it is just a huge stadium. And there will obviously be a lot of people maybe heading down on Sunday that have not been there before. And, you know, it is like a really big day out for them. And I hope they have an amazing time, regardless of the result. Uh, it's just one of those sort of events, occasions that, you know, you share it with everyone. And it's inc it's an incredible feeling that you're all there just to get behind your team for this massive, massive event. And if you're, you're lifting, that, lifting that trophy at the end of it, it is the most... Yeah, amazing feeling that you can get, honestly. Chloe Kelly was on Ian Wright's excellent podcast, which I'd very much recommend to anyone listening to this. And she was saying that the FA Cup final last year was a bit of a strange one because there was no fans there. So she's looking forward to her family being there. I mean, they're from Ealing, just, literally just down the road from Wembley. So it's going to be great for the players and the staff that their families are going to be there. And it's going to be great for our fans who... I've stuck out it through thick and thin, you know, the, the, the supporters club have, have gone to all sorts of trouble to get people to games at the bizarre times that our league decides that they should be played on, you know, Sunday night, eight o'clock, you know, in London. So this is a reward for everybody and it's a reward for the game. And as Dave says, it's rare that the WSL get it right, but they've got it right with this. They've pitched it right and we should just enjoy the experience. I mean, I, I obviously hope City win and I want them to win. But it's just it's it's an advert for the game as much as anything else, and we need these sort of big showpiece events to grow the game to where it needs to be over the next decade or so. I, I just feel it's a free hit as well, Emma. You know, because we we're the underdogs in this one, which we've never been before. We've put already put a trophy on the table this season, which is more than we expected, and we've got our Champions League place, so we've got nothing to lose. I think at Chelsea, obviously. I know it's a double for us. It'll be like both cups, but the, all the narrative seems to be Chelsea going for the double, which piles pressure onto their players, you know, to, to win the double. Whereas, you know, we're, we're there as the underdogs and we've got nothing to lose and we know we can play well enough to give them a game. And I think we will. Yeah, I have to agree. I really do think we will. I, 
I have no doubt that we'll turn up and throw everything at Chelsea. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to just watching what will be definitely a good game of football. Let's get a prediction then. From- I'm going for 7-6 with Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's oh, a hard I can't one. I can't even imagine what that would do to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard one. You, you could get it cagey. We could get it like the three all, like Paul said before. You know, it's it's a hard one to call, really. Um, I'm just going to go for a City win, so I'll go I'll go for three two, three two at City. We'll say it's a classic that we that we just edge. Yeah. I, I'm I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to go two one, with a distinct possibility of extra time as well, and I don't want to throw penalties into the mix here because <laughs> I don't want to get people's blood pressure oh. even more pumping. <laughs> But don't he forget, just, he just wants to get value for his ticket money. That's what yeah, I'll do. I'll do. And, and, the, and the good, do you know what the great thing about this as well? Just, just on a really boring technical point, I've, I've been to the Cowboy Cup finals and they're on at half five. You don't get home till God knows when. The fact that it's on at half past two means that people get home at a reasonable time, even with extra time and penalties. And that's yeah. really important when you've got young, young kids there as well. So this is a really, you know, they've, they've got this just right, but there's every chance it could go to extra time. There's every chance it could go to penalties. But I just think, I think we can shade it 2-1 if we can keep Sam Kerr quiet because that's going to be the key thing that tactically they're going to have to get right because she is on fire at the moment. But then again, Bunny Shaw's on fire as well. So it's all, if you look, I was looking at the, their team at the last game, I was looking at our team. And there's not a weak player on the field in the starting 11s. 22 top class, full internationals mainly, who are going to be, you know, totally motivated for this. So it could it could be a goal fest, but it's probably going to be a 2-1. Or a yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping Chelsea have just still got a few sore heads <laughs> from their <laughs> celebrations over the weekend. And uh, essentially, that'll stand as you know bold as well heading into it. But you know, what's your prediction? You 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 haven't given you the yet. Yeah, so I think I think it's a difficult one. I'm going to go with the three one again. You know, I, 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 that was a good score for me, and it's been <laughs> good stead. So I'm going to say same again. But yeah, I I, I just I just think you like you said, keeping uh, Kerr quiet, isolating her from the game will be very important. You know, we've got to keep at least two players on her, uh, without a doubt. Um, but then, you know, you're opening it up for the likes of, you know, possibly harder. You, you know, you, you never really know what you're kind of going to get. Erin Cuthbert, I mean... Writing. Oh, yeah, Guru, she's been fantastic this season. Well, you know, is. like you said, so you, you could just say, you know, like Paul said, 22 players and... And every single one of them have really produced this season. Yeah, I, I am just looking forward to it. I think it's the perfect way to round off the season. And I'm really looking forward to it. So mm. let's go and get it done. And let's get that trophy in the cabinet. Right, guys, I've really enjoyed that. Thank you both for joining me tonight. Yep, see yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, safe travels down to Wembley. Safe travels yeah. down to everyone. Uh, I know the OSC have got a coach. Uh, City have put coaches on as well, I believe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah, we'll have a good turnout. Everybody in good voices. Let's get behind the team and let's push on. Yeah, well, so travels to all the city fans coming down. We're all hopefully all behind that goal, and let's make our let's make ourselves heard. Let the team know we're all there behind them, no matter what happens. And uh, we'll see everyone down there. I'm on a city coach. It's only a tenner, so it's it's you know the club of you know. Definitely done right by the fans. They definitely try and encourage us to sell our full allocation. As you said, Dave, there's no doubt that the OSC will be there in full voice. I think the other fans will join in and Chelsea will will make themselves heard as well. And I think I think what that will give, that atmosphere that will be created by two really strong sets of fans who get behind their teams, for the neutrals, it'll be a fantastic experience. It'll really enhance their experience as well. So... I wish uh, everybody safe journeys down and um, and hopefully we'll get a result on the day. We'll hopefully catch up in a, in a week. Well, after, obviously, the Wembley uh, game, the FA Cup final, uh, we'll come together and discuss the season, highs and lows, our expectations, maybe looking ahead to next season. Yeah, and, and that's always a podcast that I really look forward to doing. So that'll definitely be coming after 
uh, obviously the conclusion of the weekend. Yeah, give us a few days if you will, won't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'll need more than a few days, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> but take care, both of you, and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, See you, Emma. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Leslie Morgan and you're listening to MCW Fancast. And that's it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks to Dave and to Paul for joining me. Also, special thanks to Charlotte, who's been on editing duties for us this week. We'll be back next week with our post-match reaction to the FA Cup final with a special show looking back on the season. If you're travelling down to Wembley, we're wishing all fans safe travels and we hope to see you there. I'll be chatting to fans on the day for the podcast, so if you do see me, come and say hello and have a chat. Have a great week, everyone.